better place to end the street in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Where'd you get that body from? Where'd you get that body from? Where'd you get that body from? I got it from my daddy. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Clearly overcome with school spirit, one South Carolina student took pulling for the cocks a bit too seriously. Iowa State showed Baker Mayfield how daddy plants a flag at midfield. Clemson is 6-0, and life is good. Welcome back, guys. This is your host, Nick. I'm joined this evening by Ben and Cody, my co-hosts. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, well, you mentioned, yeah, life is good for us. Uh, unfortunately, not, life is not too good for some other people right now. Um, you know, this happened after we recorded our last show. So I just want to say our, our thoughts and our hearts out to all the, the victims and their families of the Las Vegas shooting. And then also uh, hitting close to home in our area, um, all the fire victims, the wildfires in the Santa Rosa area, just north of us here in San Francisco. Uh, a lot of people hurting right now. Um, we're lucky enough to have, uh, sports to kind of distract us but not everybody has that luxury yeah definitely it's been kind of a crazy past six weeks or so with in addition to the tragedies you've been talking about some of the hurricane and and tropical storm damage sustained in texas florida and um really throughout kind of the southeast so um puerto rico as well don't forget that yeah indeed so anyway our our thoughts have been with those guys and um i mean yeah let's you know continue to kind of support you know the organizations that are helping these folks out possible uh well this is our wake forest recap show guys Uh, before we get into talking through the game uh clemson's sixth victory um, of the season in sort of you know maybe not dominant fashion let's say but um certainly a definitive win for the tigers on saturday let's take a look around uh, college football instead of kind kind of going around the league we can keep a little bit of you know guardrails on this one some um, I want to ask you guys, like, you know, let's focus this a little bit on who remains on Clemson's schedule before a road to the playoff emerges for us. Uh, let's talk through those. And then I'm I'm curious, you know, there's been been some landmark games happening the past couple of weeks. I think the picture of who are the contenders for the playoff is coming into clearer view. So definitely want to touch on that, too. But Cody, I'm going to flip it to you um, in terms of who remains on our schedule, prospective opponents in the coastal, uh, who you've been watching most closely. Well, I've been following Florida State, and I listened to the Noel cast. I, I didn't get to watch the Miami game. Maybe you guys caught that and could you know provide a little insight from that. From that, but the the Noel cast talked about you know they are you know off the talking about off the rails, off the rails with Jimbo Fisher. Fisher, they've had it with him. They've had it with his style, his stubbornness, his doubling down on bad coaching, and his inability to adapt and evolve to modern offenses. So, I think when we you know look at our our team, our effort, our play calling, keep that in mind because we're, we're subbing guys in. We're constantly trying to adapt, trying to evolve into new modern offenses. So there, it's like the, the just the anti-Clemson model is basically he's holding on to a lot of old things that just haven't worked, and he's not, he's not again, he's not evolving. And glad I'm glad that Dabo is 
Yeah, we could have it worse coming off a national championship season and six and zero. We need could. I mean, Cody, the Noel Cast guys. I listen to them pretty regularly too. They're not usually ones to throw their head coach under the bus. I think it really takes some some serious frustration, and they they tend to be pretty level headed and objective um, in evaluating their team and that coaching staff. So I think it speaks volumes when they're speaking out in the way they have been. Right. Yeah. They're, they're ones that are going to be very uh, analytical, look at every detail. And, and, you know, like one thing that they cited, this is very interesting and we can, we can move on from this was that for fourth downs, uh, looking at the last seven years under Jimbo Fisher, they are dead last in fourth down attempts. Whereas Clemson at at like 50 attempts in the last seven years, Clemson is nearly triple that 150 Saban about a hundred and then, and and urban Meyer around like 150 as well. Well, So, yeah, I mean, you see this team now with the defense that we have, if we're between the 45 and 35, maybe even closer now, uh, because of the, the, the field goals, uh, kicking situation that was going for it. Right. And it, it sends a message, you know, it's, it's just about being aggressive, but it's also, again, like they said, value in possession over field position. It's just, you know, you only get so many possessions, Get your players in, rotate them in if they're good enough to play, and that's what Dallas done, and, and, and keep the ball. So Florida State at this point, they've dropped games to Alabama um, this past weekend to Miami, and they lost to NC State at home and really had to escape um, against Wake Forest. We face off with them in just under a month now. You know, Clearly that game at the beginning of the year, Florida State was pretty hyped up. At that point, we thought they'd have DeAndre Francois. We thought their defense would be ferocious. That defense has really been the big surprise for me. I think that we doubted their offense coming in to the year, and we thought that would be limiting them. Um, but really, that defense has been pretty inconsistent. You can you can take that all the way to, you know, their star player Derwin James. I don't think he's come back from that injury. You know, potentially as fresh as they might have hoped. So, I mean, clearly everyone's recalibrated their expectations for Florida State. Do you guys think they'll be able to give us a game in Death Valley? I mean, I think, you know what? Maybe not. Because we're these two teams are on di- completely different levels right now. Florida State, you look at their schedule, what they have between uh, now and then when they play us, they could have two more losses. They had, they're at Duke um, this coming weekend, and then they got Louisville at home. You know, Louisville is not the team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Um, I think North Carolina State is clearly the second best team in the ACC right now. But this Florida State team is sputtering, and it, it's not looking great for them. Yeah, it looks like Virginia. Our toughest ACC game may have been behind us, you know, not not uh, not considering the, the ACC championship game. So I, I I still think it will be a game though, just because you talk about them inconsistency. They're they have an off on button, and maybe that's, that speaks to their, the culture around their program. I, maybe it's coaching, whatever. I think they're going to be on for Clemson. You're going to get up and play for Clemson. They'll be inspired. Um, I, I think the defense is going to wear them down. They don't have anything going on offense. But uh, you mentioned that you thought that our toughest ACC games behind us. I beg to disagree. North Carolina State, that's going to be a tough game. You see them go and uh, beat Louisville 39-25 over the weekend. I mean, they're going to be a tough team. They're playing really well. They should be undefeated right now. They've beaten Florida State. Yeah, and I, I, maybe I didn't fully consider NC State. They're probably right, right on, right on par with with Virginia Tech. You could maybe say they're better. I mean, that's arguable. I'm definitely going to say they're better from yeah. what I've seen, and that's that's another road game. That's going to be tough. Most likely going to be another night game in a hostile environment. It seems like I mean I don't want to say NC State is a team without flaws. You know, their their talent level compared to a Clemson is you know a full star, if not one level below that. Um, in terms of how we match up, but, um, you know, they've got a veteran quarterback in Ryan Finley. They have, you know, what came into the year, pretty hyped up off uh, defensive line and they've been 
really able to muscle teams around. Um, and yeah, front seven is going to be tough for, for us to, to play against. Yeah, not to mention they have a pretty capable running game as well. Right. So um, I think that, you know, that'll be a tough place to play. Clearly, I think, you know, maybe Clemson fans have overblown in the past, uh, one past upset to NC State. But I feel like that's always kind of a hostile place for us to play, even, even maybe for one half um, of a football game. Um, so that, you know, again, kind of sticking with our, our schedule and the games that remain, that's got to be the, the matchup now that's toughest on our remaining schedule. Um, and that'll come a week after Georgia Tech, which, you know, we're maybe not paying as much attention to their team this year, but that, that may be a difficult transition coming off of that game heading up to, um, to Raleigh. Yeah, um, Georgia Tech, you know, we have a week before to prepare. Not too concerned about them. They're not going to be able to throw the ball on us. Even if they did, our secondary is so much improved this year. Uh, Brent Vittables has shown he can defend this triple option. There's not a lot of new wrinkles that you see year, year in, year out. It comes down to talent. Uh, we've got that there. But uh, you're right. That's, you do tend to get banged up in that game a little that's bit. That's true. And, and that's where NC State at the beginning of the year, we were calling it a trap game. I don't call it a trap game anymore. Uh, that, that We need to be focusing big time on that. If anything, you got to watch out for the Florida State game to be a letdown game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we would necessarily ever kind of sleep on a Florida State matchup. We probably won't have game day this year for that one, which is unfortunate. We've played game, you know, we've had played host to game day twice, I guess, not playing host, but um, two opponents have been able to host Clemson for ESPN game day. Um, doesn't look like we'll get one of those at home this year, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess those are really the games that I'm looking at. And Cody, you mentioned the ACC championship game. Could be a rematch for Virginia Tech, could be upstart Miami at this point. Um, sounds like you didn't check out that Florida State game, but I watched part of the Duke game a week ago last Friday, and uh, you know their their offense looks really potent. Um, they do have talent. I mean, that is a team that um, you know always recruits fairly well. Mark Rick, Mark Richt is getting his system going there and getting his guys in. This is his second full season, so we talk about the regeneration of the coaching staffs on in the ACC, and you, know, you got to put Miami in kind of the top three of that resurgence. Um, I, I think at this point it, it, it kind of comes down to those two schools. I think so. And I think, uh, well, their, their front seven is really good. It looks like, a, you know, one of the better ones in the ACC right there, maybe just behind NC State in terms of their defensive front. But um, I still think maybe they're not quite a top 10 team. What are they? Are they ranked, I think, just outside of the top 10, which feels about right. Virginia Tech probably in the same area. So that's kind of a flip a coin, in my opinion, over who's better. Um, maybe higher upside would go to Miami, in my opinion. Miami's 11 right now. 11, okay. They also host Virginia Tech for that game. Now, granted, as I've said in the past, it's not really a home field advantage for them. Um, it's just a matter of kind of opportunity cost. They don't get that game in Blacksburg, which is an advantage. So um, I think I need to check the calendar, see when that game is coming up, but that'll definitely be one for Clemson fans to keep, a, keep an eye on. No, the ACC Coastal, I mentioned it last time. I think top to bottom, they're better than the ACC Atlantic. And not, honestly, that's the most interesting division right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, certainly the Atlantic, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned Florida state falling off Louisville falling off, um, that went against Louisville, not, not necessarily aging that well. They're not doing us very many favors. They were ranked, uh, but no longer after that NC state loss. Um, and actually I don't even know if they're ranked coming into that game, but, um, yeah, I think the, the shine has worn off the Lamar Jackson kind of Heisman race and Heisman Louisville was 17. I think they're out of the, probably out of the rankings now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've fallen off. I think that Virginia Tech win is not one that's going to season very well. I think 
really, until we get to NC State, you're going to have to look at Auburn. It's really our, our toughest test. Yeah, I mean, I think Virginia Tech will remain, um, you know, continuing to move up, up the polls. Even if they do drop to Miami, I don't really see them falling too far in a loss in that situation. Um, they'll probably end of the end of year ranked. I feel like NC State probably will as well. And um, obviously Auburn too. So, you know, three pretty solid ranked ranked opponents. I think that's going to be more than a team like Alabama is going to have on its resume, for example. Yeah, so that that pretty much sums up where, where our head is on the remaining ACC slate of our schedule. We did not touch on South Carolina. Let's go ahead and pencil in Clemson for a victory there. Um, so, yeah, you know, certainly some remaining tests. But I think what's important to do is look around college football now and take a look at the college football picture. Um, who nationally is going to be competing for one of the four precious playoff spots? Uh, we saw a couple of top 10 upsets this week happen um, up in Ann Arbor. Michigan State came in. They always play Michigan tough at home, um, but they came in, sort of had some assistance from Mother Nature. Obviously, both sides played it, played into that, but Michigan State went into a lead before the heavens opened up, and um, and they came away with the upset victory there. Cody, so, what do you have to say about that? I'll let you eat crow here. Yeah, well, I known did, Harbaugh apologist, Cody. I said never it. bet against Jim Harbaugh, and I think I think it's fair that how much money you went on that one. I didn't win any money. You only lose money if you bet, bet against I, I get it. I was being sarcastic. Okay, gotcha. Well, f- for Michigan, their defense is one of the best in the country, and that's something that he, it's been a staple for Harbaugh. I think he's got them there. He's got the recruits. He went into Georgia. He went into Florida to get them. But the other part, and it's so important, you got to look at it as Michigan altogether is not a bad team, They have, but they have a really bad offense, and they don't have a quarterback yet. And it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. It was the most incompetent offense I've ever seen that night and it's uh, coming from a guy who's supposed to be a QB guru right right I mean well you know his Wilton Spate did go down they still have the McCaffrey's younger brother in the fold so probably optimistic looking forward I you know but I I think they were ranked seventh they're no way the seventh best team in the nation and probably I think they're 15th now they're probably not a top 15 team either with that offense so let's look at Michigan at this point this is his third year third year I believe yeah um has their trajectory been more up or down, do you think, over that span of period of time? I think they're... Or is it kind of flatlined? I should know this off the top of my head. I think they're 0-3 against Ohio State and Michigan State in the big house. Um, their trajectory, he obviously came in his first year and won many more games than um, Hoke did going out, but he's elevated their their team, their program, their recruiting profile, certainly. I mean, they, they've had you know top 10 recruiting classes since he's been there, getting better, but... You know, the wins aren't necessarily falling. They're honestly like the third, maybe fourth best team in the Big Ten at this point. He's getting the wrong guys out of Florida and Georgia. Well, I think it still takes some time. You got to give it some time yeah. for and him to said, get his own guys in there. And yeah, I mean, that said, like they're they're four and one They're They beat Florida. You know, and again, that was a Florida team with a bunch of suspensions. Florida's not that great. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think the book is written on Harbaugh at this point. Maybe the shine has come off him a little bit for Michigan fans who thought he was a god, basically, you know, but I don't know. I, they're not a trash team at this point. I call that a false idol. But I will I will say that I think their biggest issue, I mean, they have some issue with offense and getting some players. It's just a quarterback. I mean, and I know that sounds simple and you can't just always plug a guy in there, but when you have that poor of quarterback play, your offense can be that bad and you can lose games. It's not that uh, dissimilar from Cole Stout in 2014 when he was injured. I mean, best defense in the country 
Um, you know, not 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 like the you offensive also, firepower that we have. You this can year. also say the play calling there was a little stubborn, as we have before, and it wasn't tailored to his skill set. And that's probably similar at Michigan as well um, with their offensive coordinators. So, I mean, yeah, a pretty good comparison, I think, Cody. But anyway, let's move on from Michigan. They're they're no longer relevant to the college football playoff picture. <laughs> can um, we talk about Baker Mayfield? Let's do it. Where'd you get that body from? I got it from my dad. Dad, 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 dad. Oklahoma, uh, 31-point favorites, dropped a game at home to visiting Iowa State, whose starting quarterback um, took a personal leave of absence from the team mere days before this matchup. So the best part of the Wake Forest game for me on Saturday was, mentioned it before, Clemson Bar Hill here in San Francisco is also an Iowa State bar, meaning there's two guys from Iowa State who come there and watch the game. So we banter back and forth occasionally. They know they suck. We know they suck. Um <laughs> So we got the Wake Forest game on. We're up like 14 to nothing. You realize we have the game in hand, and it's 21, and it's like 28 to nothing. And we look over, and Iowa State had just taken the lead. And, of course, at that point, we're paying attention, and we're like, that game is much more entertaining than what we're watching. So we switch their game over to the big screen TV and start following with them, and we have a great time, man. We're taking shots. We're celebrating. They pull the upset. It was fantastic. Impressive win. I mean, you know, they – their coach, Matt Campbell, came from the MAC. Um, you know, to get that type of performance on the road against the top five team, against a blue blood, really, Oklahoma. They had a linebacker uh, start a quarterback for him, who, by the way, made a pretty good tackle in that game. He played too. both ways in this game. I don't know that he started. He was, yeah, um, he, he was the starting quarterback. Okay. They had a couple guys taking snaps in the game, but in any event, um, huge, huge loss for Oklahoma. This certainly, I mean, that Ohio State win is definitely going to do them favors down the stretch in the eyes of the committee. But at this point, their margin of victory or margin for error is completely gone. And you got to put TCU in the driver's seat now in the big 12. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of, of Ohio state, what does this mean for Ohio state there? I know they're getting a lot better. Uh, was that, was that just a kind of a one-off thing, them losing to Oklahoma? Listen, if you're going to lose, lose early in the season, right? Cause that door opens back up for you when, when this stuff happens, like, they proved it three years Ohio ago. Ohio State losing to Oklahoma does not look nearly as bad as Oklahoma losing at home to Iowa State. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think, you know, if they had their way, they would have Oklahoma have gone undefeated so that that loss doesn't look as bad throughout the year. But at this point, the fact that it happened in, what, week three, week two, um, not necessarily. They control their own fate at this point, Cody. I, I mean, predict the Big 12 gets left out again. Could be possible. Um, I think that's, yeah, they're, they're right there. And I think this this happening to Oklahoma, they are the national brand at this point. I mean, there's a lot of, I think, you know, adoration and love for TCU. Um, not nearly on the level of Oklahoma, though. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, again, they, they got to win out and including win that stupid Big 12 championship game, which will be a rematch against somebody. Um, TCU, again, you know, they're they're undefeated at this point. They have the, the big conference win against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State probably got off the mat with that Oklahoma loss yesterday. Um, if they win out and go back and rematch TCU and win that game, they could be in a good spot. So, I mean, I would I would say this didn't eliminate the, the Big 12, but definitely definitely uh, put the squeeze on them somewhat. I was wrong again. I, I did I said I thought Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were legitimate, and it looks like TCU, like you said, is the only one left there. Not sure why we pay this guy. Yeah, take me off the payroll. Let's reconsider that. Um, yeah, elsewhere, guys, I mean, you know, this weekend I think we saw Georgia and Auburn uh, continue their torrid starts to the season. Um, 
both those teams look really legit. And it's really, I, I think, interesting in the SEC that both them and Alabama, it's kind of a three-horse three race at this point. They will all face the other two teams, presumably, at this point. We, I think we can pencil Georgia into that, the East, the winner of the SEC East. They'll presumably play, play Alabama unless Alabama loses to Auburn. Yeah, Georgia the, and Auburn also play um, in November. The SEC is a somewhat interesting conference, again, now with Auburn playing better and obviously the emergence of Georgia. But, you know, outside of those teams, everybody else sucks. Yeah, the SEC is back, though, right? Three of the top six or seven teams are in the SEC and, and three legitimate playoff contenders. The not, SEC is back. They're not back. No. I don't know about the top six, Cody. Um, I think they're. I think Auburn's still hovering around 10. Well, I, I'm ranking them not like AP rankings, but my actual ranking. The Cody Fowler system. Yeah, index. I see. I yeah. see. Um, yeah, so anyway, I mean, that conference I think will play itself out to some extent. Um, I, I actually think both of those teams could have higher quality wins than Alabama, you know, unless, of course, Alabama were to go and defeat both of those both of those teams. Uh, but at this point, you know, if, if Bama were, were to sustain a loss, uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them. They don't really have a, a very strong strength of schedule this season. Uh, Florida State taking a crap, you know, doesn't necessarily help matters um, for them. So, um, yeah, it could get interesting, but I think, you know, my prediction, Georgia will find a way to screw this up, and then Alabama's just going to steamroll both of them. It's not a Mark Rick Georgia team. Kirby Smart team. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt. True freshman at QB, though. Good point. A lot of good running backs. They have a Well, they have a backup quarterback that's a true sophomore, has a little bit of... A little bit of battle testing. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, that speed don't lie. You know, the speed and size of the, the Georgia defense, same Alabama coaching. I don't know. I, I tend to think it's going to be a game. I think it's going to be – and I think Auburn is going to have a say in it till the end. So I wouldn't pencil Alabama in. I, I would – Sidham's playing better. I'd pick uh, them. They, but, they, yeah. could, they could give Alabama a challenge for sure. This, this Alabama team is not as good as they were last year. Yeah, period. agreed. It's interesting uh, – both Georgia and Auburn's S&P Plus offenses are in the mid-30s. Clemson's actually at number 30 in the S&P offense at this point. So it's really, for all three of these teams, it's the defense um, that's, that's been dominant at this point. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you take that into consideration going up against Alabama, all, all these teams are going to struggle to score, I think. Uh, so we kind of covered our bases. I guess we haven't touched on Penn State. They had another kind of dominant victory this weekend. Um, where are you guys calibrating Penn State at this point? I just want to see them play somebody first. Like they're going to get into the heart of their Big Ten schedule. They still got to play Ohio State and Michigan, I believe. Let's see them get through that gauntlet of games and Michigan State. Who's yeah, not, let's see them get through that gauntlet terrible. of games. I mean, they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, McSorley's a good quarterback. Saquon Barkley's best running back in the country. But they need to play some tougher competition. I agreed. I talked to a Penn State fan uh, on the on a roof uh, roof party over the weekend. He seemed to think that Penn State's got everything they need along the defensive line. That's what they do at Penn State's. What he said, but I don't agree. I didn't tell him as much, but I don't agree. I don't think they have quite the athletes. I definitely don't have the athletes of like Ohio State or Michigan, at least along the defensive front. And I just I think they're a little have a little ways to go in terms of talent. But we'll again, like Ben said, we'll see once they play someone. Uh, maybe a side note, Saquon Barkley is unbelievably fun to watch and does some things that are just, you know, like Stephen Curry-like skill on the football field. But is he is he really any better than Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, uh, we'll say Ezekiel Elliott, you know, some of the good running backs of just last year, um, McCaffrey? You know what I think it might be? It's the fact that he's wearing a Penn State uniform. You don't typically associate 
Penn State with that type of athletic you know, performance. And it could just be, you know, he's getting kind of this novelty factor appreciation. Novelty factor, maybe like wow factor for some of the things that he does that are sure. just high degree of difficulty. But right. you, I mean, would you really have rather have him over Dalvin Cook carrying the ball? I, I don't know if I would. Anyway, just just a thought because it does look like he's the runaway winner for Heisman. He don't get hurt. Yeah. Don't know that he will. He might though. Uh, but yeah, you know, the jury is still definitely out on Penn State. Um, I, I mean, I think it's not too far fetched to think of the Big Ten kind of imploding on itself too. So, you know, we're only at week six. We haven't touched on the Pac-12 too much. Um, Washington and Washington State remain kind of the front runners in that conference. They play the last week of the season. So, um, you know, a lot of ball left to be played across the board. But the picture is starting to even out a little bit. And, you know, we're starting to see what's up. Um, but I think we'll spend the, the rest of the show talking about what we've got here with this Clemson Tigers team, but I like us against nearly anyone in the country. And that includes Alabama. Um, they did not necessarily go into college station and, you know, put Texas A&M completely to rest. Um, and that is a team that under Kevin Sumlin isn't exactly firing on all cylinders. Um, they looked pretty competent on offense against that Alabama defense. They had some uh, turnover lack of, you know, Alabama got some turnover luck. Let's put it that way. Um, against AM and they still didn't, you know, win by that big of a margin of victory. So, um, you know, I'm sure Saban will use this as a chance to motivate his team and would not like to be Alabama's next opponent. So clearly a lot of these teams, will, as they get into conference play, um, a lot more will become revealed to us. Um, we'll keep a close eye on that. Um, Clemson continues the next couple of weeks with easier stretch of schedule. Um, we will keep a close eye on the national scene. Um, before we move into our wake recap, Wanted to take this time to thank all of our listeners. Thank you guys for spreading the word about the podcast, leaving us reviews on iTunes, um, and engaging with us on social media. Um, guys, anyone you want to recognize? Um, yeah, we've been getting a lot of likes and stuff on SoundCloud. That's always appreciated. Um, I just realized it was possible to message us on SoundCloud. Um, Showing your age, Ben. We were not getting notifications. Well, you guys didn't know either, so I've gone back and tried to answer some of those. We appreciate Appreciate those. Um, got a nice. I think message. we've been messaging users since we started yeah. in 2015. But there's a log of my deal. messages from where I message users. You've been talking. How am I been in the dark about this? There's this thing called the internet, Ben. We felt like you might break it if we told you too much. Anyhow, go go ahead. But, with, what do you uh, got? Oh, what do you okay, got? Well, I'm trying to be sincere here, fellas. Uh, Corey Jennings got a nice message from him. Says he's been listening to our shows. Went back and actually listened to all of them from the beginning. Corey, again, I have to apologize for that. I would not recommend anybody else go back and listen to the first few episodes because they were absolutely horrible, but we've appreciated it nonetheless. Um, Skip and Recrate, the guy that started following us on SoundCloud. Pretty sure there's a Skip and Recrate in my elementary school. I'm wondering if it's that guy. I mean, how many Skip and Recrates can there be? Got to be him. Got to be him. Cody? Oh, I, I don't really have. Oh, well, I know Matthew Miller. I've, I've seen his name. He's liked a lot of our stuff. So thanks, Matthew Miller. And thanks, Ryan Cantor. That's our number one guy. Shout-outs to Ryan. What's up, buddy? All right, let's move on to Wake. Cool. So as mentioned, uh, Clemson coming off its third consecutive 6-0 start to a year. Ho-hum, ho-hum. Um, guys, as we always mention, this, these are the good old days. we got to appreciate this. But um, coming out of this Saturday game, you know, I think it was a good kind of halfway point between what we felt at moments in the BC game and what we felt at moments in um, some earlier matchups in the year, potentially against um, the likes of Louisville and Virginia Tech, where this team exerted its will, showed some of the ceiling levels of its performance and capability, particularly on offense. 
Um, but at other times of the game, kind of turtled up, um, got conservative with play calling, didn't quite execute, um, and, and showed some of the flaws or weaknesses that need to get developed. Um, but all in all, you know, the, the points Wake Forest scored definitely happened late, late in the game against some of the reserve um, players on the team. So I would consider this to be a pretty strong Tiger victory. Um, where are you guys at in terms of just your overall sentiment on this game? Well, it's getting to the point for me where it's just kind of boring to watch these games. And I mean, that's a good thing. And part of that is just because we're, we're so dominant. I mean, you can see that after this team gets up two scores, uh, the coaches feel that there's not a threat that we're going to lose. And I don't feel there's a threat we're going to lose. After we went up 14 to nothing and Wake Forest misses that field goal, in my mind, the game's over. Yeah, and there's been a lot written about our early substitutions and our play calling and all of this. But I, at the end of the day, and I don't want to say it's boring, but on defense, it is watching us play on defense is kind of boring. We completely disarm the offense. And it's, you know, I don't even think I'll watch the defense when I do the replays. Anyhow, it's going to be great if we can make it to a playoff and see that, that product on the field. But as of now, it is a little bit boring. It's Alabama like. And, uh, but again, like Dabo says this all the time. We take the win. He's never going to apologize for winning, and I'm I could care less how we win anymore. Well, well, it's not like I don't care about stop points. It's not like this team isn't tested either. You know, first three weeks of the season, we've had a couple of tough road tests. Auburn came in; they're they're a heck of a team, and you know maybe they've improved after us. But um, it's not like they don't have that gear where they can you know keep their head in the game and play you know a full maybe, let's call it three quarters because that's all they've needed. Um, at this point but well here's the thing you don't need style points anymore that's the beauty of the college football playoff we don't have to go out there and run up the score uh just to be one of the top two teams you know we 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 have strong footing having been there two years in a row they're picking four teams so you don't need to beat a wake forest 56 to nothing what it does allow you to do it allows you to start substituting early on in games when you feel you have a good handle on things because the more guys you get in there the earlier in the season, uh, the more reps that you get them, the more prepared they are going to be at the end of the year, and the healthier and stronger your starter is going to be at the end of the year because they're more well-rested. Yeah, there's been a lot written about you know this strategy. And at first, in the Boston College game, not knowing that's exactly what we were doing, it seemed kind of, I don't know, it kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I, I was kind of taken aback. Now, knowing that we are clearly, we could give a, pardon my French, we could give a shit about anything aside from winning and like you said Ben just getting getting to the playoff get and the committee doesn't care either that's all that matters and that's all we're doing and I I think people say we're trying to get those second team guys in and getting them groomed for the end of the season I think it's less that and keeping our starters healthy for when we do play Alabama because I promise you Christian Wilkins isn't coming off the field when we play Alabama Mitch Hyatt's not coming off the field uh, but the other advantage it gives you is if one of these guys go down you're not throwing in somebody who's green under the collar right like he has experience and not only thinking about this year, think about next year when Christian Wilkins goes, when Austin Bryant goes, when Cleveland Farrell goes, you're bringing back some guys next year who had significant quality playing experience this year. It's a great strategy across all fronts, there's recruiting, a, recruiting as well. There's a long view to this program now because it is an elite program. It's not looking just necessarily one year at a time with strategy. There's a long view going on here and that's why these are great coaches and that's why we've had a great team the past few years. Couldn't agree more. I think to maybe break this game down into phases, you had the sort of initial aspect of the game. Clemson um, received the kickoff and had scripted play calls and really just marched down the field methodically. I think we saw um, some of the best from Kelly Bryant all day on that first drive. Um, 
missed connection with Deion Kane a couple plays later, you know, hit him in a really impossible to defend spot for the, the long touchdown. Um, and it was on from there. Um, and really the opening phase of the game when this offense was trying, when we were dialed up, when the coaching, you know, the play calling was um, crisp and where it needed to be exposing, you know, the weaknesses of that weak defense. Um, it was the Clemson ball we've, we've been used to looking at and, you know, Duke, I'm going to mess up his last name, but the versatile end uh, from Wake Forest. Edge um, of four? Yeah, edge of four. Nice. He, he was pretty neutralized, actually, in the first couple series. I think over the course of the game, he showed how talented he was and, um, you know, reminded me some of the Boston College end that we faced earlier in the year. But um, for the most part, I thought that um, at least early on, we we kind of were able to sidestep him. Well, and here's the thing. it's It's become very clear to me. I think people's problems with the substitution, like squarely in the offense, I don't think people were as concerned on the defense because the defense has been so dominant. On the offensive side of the ball, I had it occurred to me as well, this offense tends to look very good when they're on the first couple scripted drives. It's when they went off script or didn't have anything prepared, have a script prepared, that they seemed to struggle. But going back and watching the games more closely, I don't think that's it at all. I think after those first two drives, you're starting to see second-team offensive linemen come in the game, and that's when things start to sputter a little bit. That disc, that's, There's a bit of a disconnect there. Um, but I think that's fine because our defense is so dominant, it's okay to get these other guys in early. But I think that's what you're seeing. I think if that first-team offense would have stayed in there for the first four or five drives of the game, we're up 21-20 to nothing very quick. Yeah, a couple of things. I completely agree with you. They put in John Simpson, and he is the future at left tackle or right, or I'm sorry, left guard or right guard, and, wherever and he, he plays. He didn't have a great game. He had a horrible game, and a lot of in a lot of cases, um, plays that were going for no gain, where Taven Fuster in the first couple of drives was taking eight yards, twelve yards, stopped at the line of scrimmage because he missed a guy, or they have him pulling to the other side of of the, of the line, and he just does he misses his block, or he gets in the second level, he can't find his assignment. He's clearly lost, but I almost feel like I agree with you. Like you, you got to be aggressive in giving him an opportunity and saying you got like have put this on film. We can coach it based off of your performance. And heck, you know you you're up by two touchdowns. You might as well because you can't have that happen against Alabama. Yeah, they're not going to put him in or, or some of these second string guys in on the third drive against NC State if we're like not up fourteen to nothing. They, they're not even doing against NC State on the road if we are up fourteen to nothing. I don't think because NC State is a much better football program. I think another area that folks will be criticizing coming out of this game, and it, it stays with blocking, but um, I put this on actually the wide receivers, and you know I'll, I'll include Mylon Richard in that regard. Um, our pass blocking, or sort of our wide receiver outside blocking on screen plays, has been atrocious this year. Really, no other word I would use for it. And maybe I mean a lot of people are talking about let's move away from the screen game and play calling then, but damn it, we. we we need to block. I mean, that is just, it's something in years past we've cited as a, a problem for this receiver core. It doesn't seem like they're making much progress. Well, and that's another thing completely in and of itself. I mean, when you talk about the offensive line, it's because we're having second string guys in there that are just not as good as the first string guys, not a season. When it comes to the wide receivers, we have a bevy of talent, nine guys we feel comfortable putting out there at the wide receiver position. None of them can block. Well, I think Overton would be the one exception. Overton can block. The and biggest I'll, guy out there. I almost feel like I couldn't. Uh, you watched the, the replay, and it, it felt like we threw you know five screen passes. Well, we, I think we did throw five screen passes in that first quarter, maybe the first a uh, little bit through the second quarter. I couldn't believe why he kept, like, I don't know if it was doubling down on a bad decision. I had no idea. But the only thing I could think of, and maybe I'm looking too much into this, is he just wanted to see if his wide receivers would block, who would block, who would show toughness, and just keep going to it. 
that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe you want to give Kelly Bryant, get him a little bit more in rhythm, make some of those passes easy. I, I have no idea. Because you don't see stubbornness from Tony Elliott at all, generally speaking. His passes were much more crisp, um, a little quicker on the release, and he wasn't throwing high uh, than he has been the, the past couple games on those screens. Uh, so I think it's partly both. One, to see what the wide receivers can, can do and give them opportunities to improve their blocking skills. Um, then also to get Kelly Bryant more in rhythm and start to nail those plays. Cause it's not just, it's not all on the wide receivers blocking. If Kelly Bryant doesn't get down the ball in the right place uh, with, you know, at, you know, at the right time quickly enough, then that's going to blow the play up as well. Okay. Or for that matter, Zarek Cooper uh, putting, putting a little bit extra mustard on the balls. Uh, it's going to be important just for whoever's helming this offense, be it this weekend or going forward in the year um, to yeah, like improve on improve on the passing accuracy. Um, we had a number of you know missed balls downfield again in this game that we talked about coming out of the Virginia Tech game. You know some home run balls that could have been there that you know might have iced this game sooner or padded our lead. And again, we don't need the style points, but um, it, it's nice to know that throughout the year we can hit those home run balls when we've got them. Um, and that you know we ha- had the one to Deion Kane and-, and notice when that's happening. That's happening early in the game on the first drive in this scenario where we've got those first team guys in there. When it's coming later in the game, we're starting to mix it up, mix it up on the offensive line. There's more pressure pressure on Kelly Bryant. He's not having as much time, and he's rushing things a little bit. So, again, I think if we get into a situation where, where we have to, where we put the first team guys out there and keep them out there for an extended period of time, you're going to see things go a little bit more smoothly. I think another part of the reason that they make these substitutions is not only to uh, get the guys on the offensive line. Uh, some more playing time, some more experience, I think it's to make Kelly Bryant feel uncomfortable so he can experience what that feels like. So when we get into a game against a team like NC State that has a very dominant front seven or you look into a college football playoff and we start playing better teams, that when they're getting pressure on him, at least he's had a season full of of that happening and not just put the first team in there against Syracuse or Wake Forest and Boston College and have them dominate and just have Kelly Bryant feeling comfortable all the time. It's good to make him feel uncomfortable. That's helpful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the reason. I mean, with I don't know if you want to risk injury by making him feel you know too uncomfortable, but they're they're up to they're up to something because in the first the first quarter, going back to that, we saw the deep pass to Deion Kane, two RPOs, play action RPOs, sucked sucked the safeties in. One was to Hunter Renfro, a beautiful catch across the just the seam or th- through the through the middle, got down, avoided the the collision there, and then another two, I believe it was T Higgins across the middle. Beautiful like design plays that just it's meant to just throw the defense off for everything Wake was giving us, you know, stacking the box, trying to keep everything in front. Those were two beautiful plays. And then we went away from that and just very vanilla, very conservative, a um, lot of run plays, a lot of screen passes. That, I, I, that throw over the middle to Renfro was a thing of beauty. No problem with his mechanics. That was an accurate ball, had good zip on that pass. I mean, put it was a little a, touch on it. Yeah, but, yeah, it was a perfectly placed ball. And those were great to see. I don't. Um, I, I don't know why the reason. I don't that, know why we went away from that. I from mean, that maybe point. it was a perfectly placed Hunter Renfro. I mean, that is often the case at least seventy five percent of the time, right? I think they threw it in to make sure we could do it, and then they put it right back in the playbook and put it back in the pocket. And why run that out there five, six times in this game? I, I mean, think opposing that's why. defenses will find that little single clip. Um, I know that it was effective, but you know why put more out there? I think that's exactly why. Uh, that's the only thing I can come to because, and again, they don't care about anything but winning. Yeah. Well, at this point, you know, you might consider our tenor to be somewhat negative or questioning of the coaching staff. Um, I want to talk about what has looked really good and what has worked well. And that was our running game. 
Um, in this game, Travis Etienne once again um, led all Clemson rushers in carries and yards. He's up to five touchdowns on the year for a true freshman who was pegged at number four on the depth chart as recently as August. Super impressed with him. Feaster, I thought, had another great game. Both of those guys were breaking tackles left and right and extending um, extending runs, at least when we had you know cohesion going on on the O-line. Um, and I thought until he left the game with injury, and we haven't really touched on that too much, but I thought Kelly Bryant was also continuing to um, do, do some good things with his legs. He was a little hesitant there. There was a couple first downs. I think he either lost sight of the marker or he just wasn't aggressive, aggressive enough uh, yeah. getting the first down. Then you and I, I talked about that last week too. Yeah. That awareness or lack thereof didn't hurt us here against Wake, but it's got to be a little uh, well, bit Quack and Tiger from Shaking the Southland actually made a good point. Um, he wonders if an, that ankle injury that he went down with didn't flare up a little bit before that, and that's why you saw some of those plays. Um, and that's interesting. That the ankle injury is not something we talked about, which we should. Um, but going back uh, to the running backs, Feaster and Etienne, I am more impressed to be honest with you, with the rapid improvement of Tavian Feaster than I am of the oncoming of Tra- Travis Etienne. It's because I didn't know what to expect with Etienne, or Etienne, excuse me. He just came out of nowhere. Yes, I'm shocked. Yes, I'm amazed. Yes, I'm very thankful that he's on this team and he's going to be fantastic. He might win a Heisman, Ben. No, I think he has the skill set to win a Heisman. But again, I had no expectations of this kid. I didn't know anything about him. Uh, the way Tavian Feaster has been able to come along and really uh, assert himself as the number one running back, um, ETN isn't going to be able to take the hits that Feaster can and, and bust through now. Not that he shakes a lot of people off, so it's not necessarily means that he's going to need to. But again, just very impressed by Feaster and what he's been able to do, improving his run blocking and just not being hesitant anymore. Like he's attacking the holes and he's busting through people. Yeah, it's, it's very impressive to watch. Um, I, I, we kind of the hype leading into this season, we thought we had four running backs. We didn't know who would emerge. We've had two guys emerge and, and really overtake those first two guys in line. It's more than more that than those guys like guys like Fuller playing poorly. And Adam Choice has carved out a little role on the on the yeah. on the offense as well. And now I agree. I, I think Feaster's great. I think I think the, I'm going to give a lot of credit though to the offensive line. Like you said, when there is cohesion, when there is that first team in, they're they're setting up blocking lanes or running lanes that weren't there for Gallman last year. And speaking of Gallman, had a great game with the Giants over the weekend. Um, great player who had to make a lot happen with very little, it seemed at times. And, and that's not the case this year. Those holes are, the, the holes are there and for, and the good, a good Wake Forest defense, good Wake Forest front. Yeah. I have to think if, if anything you can say about this offense, it's just, there's been massive, massive improvement in the running game. And that's saying a lot after losing Gallman. I think both of those factors are going to play into the game. You see this coming weekend, um, against Syracuse where we still have question marks at, at quarterback. Um, why don't we take a moment, guys, to talk about that? Kelly Bryant exited the game with an ankle injury. Um, a lot of grimacing. He was in the tent for a little bit, came out, tried to put some weight on it, tried to run it off, loosen up that ankle a bit, and just intense amounts of pain. Um, you know, coming out of the press conferences, it seems like it, you know, is a sprain. He's they, they label him as day to day on the on the injury report. Um, I imagine he he may play some this Friday. I think if we can win this game without him needing to, why put him in? I put him at risk. I mean, I still think he's he, he starts and he's your guy in there at least until Clemson gets a comfortable lead and you got a good feel that they're going to win the game unless he doesn't bounce back from it as easily or as in quickly in private. Yeah. I think he practiced today, maybe. Um, so we'll see. I still think he's your number one guy going in there. Um, uh, but that being said, when he went out, did anybody feel worried that 
in this game, just focusing on the Wake Forest game, that Clemson was in trouble? Not at all. And even, I mean, Zarek Cooper didn't have the greatest first series there. Um, his supporting cast let him down. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I was, a, I was a little more concerned for Zarek's confidence going forward. Not like, definitely not worried about this game, but um, just thinking about, you know, is he going to continue to be able to be that number two guy for us? Um, Hunter Johnson then came in and had a great series. His supporting cast propped him up some with that um, awesome touchdown to Cannon Smith um, and a couple of other good, good catches leading up to that. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, to answer your question, no. Wasn't ever really concerned about this one. Yeah, and I'd, I would be, I'd caution against reading in. I, I think Hunter Johnson looked great and like was very exciting to watch him. And he just looked like a natural. Zero Cooper looked a little shaky. Accuracy was a little off. Supporting cast was not great. But I wouldn't take too much from those small samples and try to extrapolate that and say, this is how he would be as a starter. But I will say, no, I was not worried. And I don't, I don't feel like there's a very drop, very big drop off. I think there's more risk and volatility with the next guy in line. They might make decisions that like turnovers, how they would handle, you know, Alabama, Ohio State defensive front you know, under pressure, I'd be a little worried about that. But well, Kelly Bryant at this point, if you want to talk about experience relative to coming into the year, snap count, you know, moments in big games, he has built that type of resume in, in his, you know, in his time. You can trust him so more than you can the other two guys because you've seen more of him on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So he's our guy, you know, wishing his recovery on um, the very best this week and that, you know, that spring uh, recovers and he can go full, full four quarters if we need him. Um, I just don't I don't think that we will need him. Maybe Ben, I'm with you. Let's let's ice the game with him at the helm and then see what we got with the other two guys. Deshaun Watson beat South Carolina with a torn ACL. Kelly Bryant <laughs> can beat Syracuse with a bum ankle. I, I, I go the other way. And it's all about the healing of the ankle, and there is there's some merit there. You shouldn't make your decision until you see it. But he relies a lot on his legs and they and they know his ankles hurt. The opposing team does, and they're they're not a big fan of Clemson, the Syracuse guys. I say if, I think if that's it's overblown, that's Scott Schaefer. Yeah, I don't know. The Syrac- Maybe it's more fan bases that have grown that, you know, they kind of blew it out of proportion. Cody, I sprained my ankle on New Year's Eve and I was running two days later. And you're talking about this year or this last year. Yeah, and I'm 35. I, I think I got a concussion on New Year's Eve. It's crazy how things work. <laughs> what the hell were you guys doing? <laughs> we weren't drinking, I promise you that. We were sober as a judge. Um, but anyway, no, I think... The Ohio uh, State game took its toll. Ohio State more game. More than the Buckeyes. Yes. That was that night? That was yeah, the Ohio State Year's game. <laughs> we won 31. I don't nothing. remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I imagine this game... I agree with you, Cody. You know, Kelly Bryant's style and what he brings, a lot of use of agility and leverage on ankles and his feet is very important. So, Well, and we, have not, a, we have a bye week after yeah, Syracuse. Syracuse and then we don't play till the following Saturday so he's got time to heal yeah well, I, you I don't think, want to re-injure it either no but he's got he's got a start Hill. you got to leave him in there until you feel comfortable with like with control of the game right which should be hard against Syracuse I don't know I I'm telling you I think well I, if you rely that much on the run if you if you don't show run and you got to show run and if you saw even with Deshaun Watson they can stack the box and you'd be like, wow, why, why aren't we getting any drive, any positive yardage on our run plays? And if he th- if his throws are off because he can't plant on the back foot, or I think it's his back foot. Not sure. Anyhow, it, yeah. I say go with, if there's any sign that he's not healthy, you got to roll the dice with Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper. Is that a hot take, or is that just, I feel like that's a reasonable take. Because there's not that much of a drop-off. But there's a big risk in him re-injuring that ankle. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to trust the, the medical staff on this one. I mean, uh, uh, of a- course. ankles, he didn't break an ankle. 
They sprained an ankle. You can play through those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Tape it up. I played basketball with sprained ankles. Yeah. Sure. I mean, either way, I, I imagine the play calling will be very heavy in the running back department uh, versus QB design runs, unless you've got Hunter Johnson out there. Um, That's the thing. We, we're not going to need him to run as much, right, against Syracuse. I mean, we, we said that about Deshaun Watson, though, like last year, and I feel like he had some trouble when you said we won't need him to run. He can win with his arm, but and you know, it was tougher than we thought. Well, right, but we didn't have, as as you mentioned, big holes in the offensive line this year for Etienne and it's part of Etienne. It. I can't get that right. Etienne and Feaster to run through. Just say E-T-N, E-T-N. like an acronym. Yeah. Gotcha. You heard it here first. We're pronunciation with the podcast. We're, I think we're, it always takes us a couple of weeks to get the names right. Um, we're six games into the season. Yeah. Any other kind of offensive notes from this game, guys? Um, we mentioned Cannon Smith had a touchdown reception. Um, Congrats sort of a, to him, but I think that that throw by Hunter Johnson was beautiful. Spectacular throw. But great, great, I guess, route or peel off by Cannon Smith, too. More tight end pass plays, please. I think we're, we're starved for those in this offense at this point. But um, it was really nice, I'll just say one more thing, to see T. Higgins get involved in the offense, um, start to see what he's capable of. He gives you such a, a nice compliment to... Uh, the Kane Renfro kind of duo. And um, we saw a little bit more of Ray Ray McLeod in this one. Um, you know, again, we'd love to see him get more, a bit more involved with um, and, and potentially, I mean, I know we try to get him involved in the screen game, but um, get some sweeps going to Ray Ray McLeod. Agreed. Yeah. I think you got to get those guys in space, but I will say Ray Ray as a receiver this season has exceeded all expectations for what I had of him as a wide receiver, like a catch catching threat wide receiver. Um, he's been unbelievable. Like our, our, our receiver duo, in my opinion, is, is improved upon last year. And then that's saying spreading out the talent and the, uh, and the progression in, in performance to, you know, offset Mike Williams' incredible ability. Are you saying McLeod and Kane is better than Scott and Williams? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, when you factor in the drop balls and, and, the, and increase the progression and performance – you know, not the otherworldly like catches that you'll see from time to time that you saw from Mike Williams, um, and and not including tight end because that's a whole other. I'd like to point out that Deion Keane's dropping some balls. No, nah, not really. He dropped a big one from Zarek Cooper. Yeah, he's I not mean, going up and get the balls like Mike Williams does. He still looks a little inconsistent. I said, I think Zara and I are at text. I say he looks like freshman Deion Kane a little bit from time to time, and then he has moments where he looks like Alabama 2016 national championship Deion Kane. But Ray Ray, I think, and Hunter Renfro have taken their game to another level. And in, in totality, the wide receiver group is a little bit better than last year. Yeah, Deshaun was overthrowing balls last year, too. So um, I think passing game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a draw, 16 to, to 17, before you guys tear, tear each other up. Ben is uh, upset. I'm just, I'm, I'm I, I mean, route running, over here. route running. The bill, the throw, the catches that Hunter Renfro has made this year. Not that he wasn't making them last year, but they didn't have him for part of the season. Ray McLeod has taken his game up to a whole other level. He is better than Artavis Scott was last year. Not as good of a blocker. Because Artavis Scott was busy blocking because he's the only wide receiver that could block. Well, you, I knew we're factoring in blocking. That's, that's a whole other discussion. It's all part of the game, Cody. Mike Williams was dropping a lot of catches as great as he was. Deion Kane drops them too. I'm, I haven't seen Deion Kane make catches like Mike Williams did. Why we got T. Higgins, DeAndre Overton. Don't forget about him. Yeah, well, you're making the case for me. Thanks, Ben. 
Like in case of the backups, he was on the team last year. Um, all right. Well, uh, good stuff in this offense. You know, 28 points in the um, considering Kelly Bryant's injury and just the the turtling of the play calling. Still an impressive showing. Um, and, you know, hats off to Wake's defense. They they stuck in this one the whole time. And, you know, they're they're improving talent wise. This Wake Forest team, particularly on the defensive side, um, if they can continue to pile up talent um, like Duke. What's his last name, Ben? Edge of four. Edge of four. Duke edge of four. I can get the opposing players' names right. <laughs> That's right. Just not our guys. Um, so, yeah, you know, we didn't play. I mean, Wake is certainly not, you know, Georgia-level defense um, in terms of statistical ranking or anything like that or talent, but um, solid offensive effort. Why don't we flip over to the defense? <laughs> guys, I actually thought for the better part of this game into the second half that this one was going to end in a shutout for Clemson's defense. Um, really incredible performance. Um, obviously got away from them a little bit um, due to um, some exceptional plays from Wake Forest offense. I think I put put it more on their talent and their play calling and their drive in this one, more so than our second string or our backups and reserves letting us down. Um, but, you know, again, you know, Wake Forest, I think um, coming into this game, we, we saw that um, John Walford, their starting quarterback up to this point, was a late scratch with a shoulder injury. So we had backup, um, what is it? Hinton, Kendall Hinton coming in, um, pretty dynamic player. He hit um, their wide receiver Dorch on a number of plays in this game. Um, that combo was lighting us up for a good part of this game, and um, you know, hats off to them. But I think all in all, like our defensive effort was continued to be dominant in this one. Um, really look no further than the defensive line and the play of Austin Bryant. In my mind, he he was one of the players of the game um, in stifling their their offensive drives early up front. Well, and. Start with the facts. Technically, this first-team defense should have given up six points. Uh, Wake Forest left six on the board. Their kicker coming in was 10 and 10 on the season. He was on the what the Groza watch list coming in. A really good kicker. So the fact that he missed those two, the second one, as ugly as that was, is kind of surprising. But, um, but yes, still six points. Not a lot to gripe about there. Um, overall, again, Cody, you mentioned it. Going back and watching the game at this point, it's hard to pay much attention to the defense and just kind of scoot on through that because opposing offenses as good as Hinton played. He did, he did play really well. I mean, he was an accurate passer. Um, he looked like a good quarterback. I think Wake Forest is actually in good hands for the next couple of years with him, uh, you know, uh, commanding the ship, but uh, this defense is just so, so dominant. Um, the only thing that you can start to look at is depth across that defensive line. Um, some of the backups, you know, Register is just not nearly at the same level that Austin Bryant is. Xavier Kelly still has a long way to go. Um, I think we need to see Justin Foster get back healthy, honestly, and get him out on the on the field more because Xavier Kelly still has some work to do. Um, then the interior defensive line, uh, Huggins Guys, and Robinson. Can we talk about Xavier Kelly real quick? I just, like, is it going to be more in-game experience? Is it strength training, conditioning? Is it I watched him attitude? a little... And when I, what I saw from him was his body physically, he looks just as good. Like he looks like yeah, he could he be does. Cleveland Farrell, but just really poor pad level, really poor technique does not use his hands. And I think one time he was out of position on just a simple, um, probably his own read from it where he just missed his assignment. So it's a lot of things. He's standing too straight up. Doesn't it look that way? Yeah. He, even the most, what I always call mediocre to above average offensive lineman, offensive tackle 
has a pretty easy time blocking him at this point in his career. And the, the, a guy that that's it's as athletically talented as he is should just be able to run right past those guys. Yeah, he just needs to get his center just gravity one move. lower. And yeah. it, I mean, technique, seen, technique, technique. That's what he's missing. We've seen Clemson play, Clemson guys on this line in the past, you know, develop year to year. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say Kevin Dodd was this green or this, you know, under-talented, not under-talented, but, you know, maybe not as polished before his last season. Um, but we've, you know, we've definitely seen guys in the past develop. I just don't know what you can expect from an improvement standpoint, like in season. This all feels like stuff that we would work on in the off season. I think the only thing you can really expect to see is that time between the ACC championship game and a college football playoff game or bowl game. If we don't happen to make it there, you have an opportunity there because you have three weeks of practice. But in season, I think it's very unlikely to happen. Agree. You hear the whole getting up to speed type deal, and like he's not going to get up to Cleveland Farrell. There's going to be a huge drop off. He can maybe get to sixty percent as good as Farrell, and then like Chris Register is the other who is guy that you can trust, but his he just doesn't have the physical ability. I think he's only six three. You can see he doesn't have the wingspan. Does not play well in space. You just from sideline to sideline, like his speed is just not that of Austin Bryant. So, and Justin Foster is he battling injury? Still at this point, believe he is, and I don't know if he played. On I'm not Saturday. sure if he played, but I think he's about ready to come back. I don't think they expected him to be out too long. But listen, the fact of the matter is, they'll tell you the death chart is uh, Bryant and Register on one side, and Farrell and Kelly on the other side. But what it really is, if Austin Bryant goes down, Christian Wilkins moves out in a in a, in a tough game situation. If Cleveland Farrell's Farrell goes down, Austin Bryant moves over to Farrell's side, and Christian Wilkins moves out to Bryant's position. That's that's the fact of the matter. If we're playing, a, and you have Pinkney and Robinson up front, and exactly, Huggins. and Huggins, and it's not as dire a defensive tackle. That drop off is not as significant as defensive end, no. Yeah. But still, at the end of the day, you're playing with Division One starters on probably ninety percent of teams. And with Huggins, if any one of those guys goes Pinkney. down on, on the starting defensive line, you're you're replacing most likely four, four first round talents, first round draft picks. But it does, when they're on the field together, it has an Alabama 2015 or 16-like effect where it, the pocket just collapses. Farrell and Austin Bryant are probably first-round consideration. Wilkins certainly is. The, the defensive line and the linebackers, when even when things are open for a second up the middle, it collapses so quickly. Like, nobody can get an inside running game going on this defense. And, and, you know, I think the secondary, it's a good year for them to, like, it covers up a lot of the warts. You will not see, you'll not see them. Um, you know, they, they have a chance to really make plays on the ball to come up and, and run support. And if this is the year where um, they're kind of getting their feet wet, next year they'll, they'll be more of an honest on them to take their game to the next level. But even one of the critiques that we said the secondary has to improve on coming into the season is, is open field tackling and preventing giving out the big play. You're seeing times when, when uh, the opposing team does get uh, past the first level of the defense, these linebackers and the guys in the secondary are so athletic and so quick, they get to the point of attack very quickly to shut things down. There's nobody busting big runs of there 50, was one 60 in this yards. Hinton had one, I believe, um, for 50-some-odd yards um, that Van Smith just, just happened to whiff on, but... Um, didn't go for a touchdown, obviously, but right. Um, but the the amount of those oh yeah plays we had happening thirty this year, five some or, odd last year yeah like they're they have been reduced. I would like I would love to see the stats, but I wouldn't uh, be surprised at the end of the year if those plays of thirty plus yards weren't cut in half this year. Yeah, it, you're you're right. Linebacker speed, sideline to sideline speed is is taking a step forward. Trey Lamar, who is really quick, is a guy that that's that big. 
he is your prototypical middle linebacker. And I think that's a guy that's developing as the season goes along. I mean, granted, yeah. he has a, a year under his belt actually getting some playing time last year, but that's a guy who's been really improving. Things are starting to click for him. So I don't think it's that debatable to say this linebacker core, especially with O'Daniel getting to play uh, in nickel situations and, and getting in cover and playing in coverage that the linebacking core has taken a step forward over last oh, year. I, I think I absolutely think so. When we talked about the linebackers and coverage last year, look at O'Daniel. How many deep shots did they take uh, against O'Daniel in this game? He didn't give up one. Yeah. And you couldn't keep O'Daniel on the field last year, or the year before when, right. when it was a third down situation, a, a passing down. So and that, that takes the defense to a whole nother level. It means the, the it takes a, takes a little bit of what you can do offensively away from from the office because you can, you got to count me, for a guy that can. Well, let me ask this real quick, Tally. Most yeah. improved, both of you guys, Dorian O'Daniel or Austin Bryant? If you're giving the award, I would say Austin Bryant because he's come from injury. But I'd I, say O'Daniel from a when I hear most improved, it's like who actually has elevated their game. O'Daniel just had more snaps last year because he wasn't injured at the level that Austin Bryant was. I mean, Bryant came back for like half the year, et cetera, mm-hmm. but O'Daniel had the snap count. I think he's he's taken a bigger leap forward this year. I think we saw flashes of this level. We knew Austin Bryant had this gear. I don't know that I I mean I'll go ahead and say I don't think I did not think O'Daniel did. So I'm gonna give him my my vote. Yeah, I think O'Daniel too. It's been a slow, steady progression. I mean, you could see him getting better year after year, but the fact that he made such a huge jump, such a exponential jump, uh, and how much they play him and trust him in certain situations based on his progression over the first uh, three years, it's been amazing. I, that said, Ryan might be my defensive MVP so far. Yeah, my, my same True. Penn State friend said, man, that number seven on your defensive line is amazing. And I said coming into the season, that was the guy that was supposed to be the worst of the bunch. Yeah, totally. So that just gives you some pers- perspective of how good our D-line's been. Uh, the worst of that bunch is the best on most teams. I mean, let me ask you guys, like, what what type of offense? We, we want to look ahead, and I want to be scouting – potential playoff foes what type of offense what type of weaponry what type of scheme do you think can exploit the weak links on this defense in, in all honesty i don't think there's anyone uh, we're going to make plays against any offense in college football auburn looks like the part and we saw what we did against them i think i think maybe alabama with just their power run with being able with just having very good coaching too and, and knowing what we're going to bring may get some points on the board but, but what what mad scientist high-powered uh, or mad scientist oc high-powered offense do we face remaining on our schedule even going into a college football playoff really don't yeah yeah it's really that simple whenever you can beat someone up at the line of scrimmage and just rush four it's, I mean, you guys I'll, are gonna laugh but the answer to that question ben is oklahoma or ohio state and I'd again love to, love to play them and they may play themselves out of it before then yeah yeah for sure um but I agree. I think that's the only two that came coming to my mind. Yeah, I, and I think with Alabama, they have, they do have a new OC um, there, Brian Dable from the New England Patriots, NFL style, pro style. They're going to do the power run game. Thank God, OJ o. Howard is no longer at Alabama. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've not been a pass first offense, obviously. Um, nor nor are they. We ever. have guys that can cover Howard now. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of failing to see, you know, an offense that is going to just expose this defense and let's see what NC get, state does. No, that's fair. Um, I mean, you have seen teams at times, um, you know, we saw this with Cam Phillips in the Virginia tech game. If he gets loose over the middle, you know, the slant game, that kind of thing can, you know, pick up some chunk yardage, but that's really what we're giving them. 
we're going to take away so much else from this offense. They're not going to storm down an entire field with slants against this D. Right. And the reason you, I mentioned, you mentioned Oklahoma and I feel the kind of the same way is because Mayfield kind of like Deshaun Watson was at his, is at his best sometimes when the play breaks down, like when there's chaos, that's when he makes plays and there will be a lot of chaos when you play Clemson. So I, that's, but again, he might not even be around by the end of the year. And I, I don't want to say that we beat Ohio State you know, last year by 30, you know, 31 points or whatever. That we would do it again. That we yeah. would do it again. But it's a similar offense. They're similar concepts. They do triple option concepts. JT Barrett. I mean, may, have they changed any of this year totally? His skill set hasn't changed that drastically. He's still a, a run-first quarterback. We will pray. And same with uh, Jalen Hurts to some extent. We will pray off of a run-first quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um this is yeah, look, it's the strength of the team. I think, you know, we've said enough about it. Um, awesome performance and should continue. The biggest factor is health at this point. So, um, and to contribute to that, I think it's a matter of putting teams away or securing that, you know, two, three touchdown, two, three score lead. Um, so we can start to spell guys, you know, not only to get our subs rest, but to your earlier point, Cody, keep our starters healthy on the bench. And um, it looks like Dexstar is healing piece by piece or slowly like he's moving a little bit quicker which is weird for that to happen to a guy like that during the season with a foot injury he's physical specimen he's a physical specimen Um, i'm not too surprised um let's get him healthy through the syracuse game a couple weeks off that'll help um why don't we shift over to special teams um so in this game special teams play we we had an alex spence missed field goal unfortunately um i thought that one was I mean, it was. I like. I liked seeing him in there take a really long attempt. That one looked good. Just doinked off at the very last moment. Um, but good on the coaching staff to kind of put him in that position. Let's let's get him to try to make one when there's no pressure on from longer distance. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. At some point this season, we're gonna need a kick, and so we we can't just approach every situation where we're just gonna go for it. Like the kid has to get out there. He put a good foot on that ball. It just had the distance. It had the distance. He just needs to get uh, that accuracy down a little bit. So, I mean, listen, we're stuck with what we what we have. So we just need to see improvement there. Any, I mean, any improvement will be positive direction, right? How do you guys feel about the kickoffs? Did do we see Skalski in on on any of the kickoffs this week? I think in the second half, but I don't think that's our start. And it, the ball went to like the twenty yard line or the fifteen <laughs> right. yard line. Like, you know, he's. He's going to have his opportunity to tackle in that scenario. It's, I think that's why he did it, probably. Uh, so he could tackle. I mean, yeah, it's trying to show we're going off. to need to we're going to need to get bigger kicks on our on our touchbacks. Um, hopefully, we're going to need to get touchbacks. Hopefully, this is something they can work on in the the open date or the bye week coming up. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, special teams definitely are a factor that you know, just despite how good your defense is playing, that can limit you in in close tight. Hey, games. but the kick coverage has been good. Absolutely, yeah. We've gotten down there quick. Nobody's busted one on us yet, um, so I agree with you. Actually had a really good punting game, too. Uh, Will Spires, when he wasn't throwing first down passes. Uh, well, A, did not know that he was a high school quarterback, but when it happened at the time... English on that pass. Yeah, oh, good. Like yeah but I mean, would you expect a punter to throw a ball like that? I mean, he's the all. That teased up yeah, through a duck. A that one yeah, that <laughs> Christian Wilkins <laughs> open all day long on that one. Uh, but okay, you know, his No, uh, I did not. <laughs> his his uh his arm aside, 
big improvement in this game. Three punts inside of the 20. You know, granted, one of those was uh, aided by Cornell Powell's amazing play to go into the end zone, scoop that ball back out. I think oh. stuck him within the five-yard line. But, I mean, what a great story Spires has been. Uh, he's getting, you know, 50-yard 50, 50 uh, uh, punts when he needs them uh, to flip the field, and then he's getting better uh, sticking people inside the 20. Yep. Elsewhere in the punting game, Ray Ray McLeod nearly broke one in this one. We've had some penalties, unfortunately, um, on our punt coverage, but knock on wood, wherever you are, no fumbles as of yet, um, which has been a, an improvement. I think Ray Ray has, to some extent, gone backwards, you know, not necessarily just hit, you, know, you guys know what I mean, um, not necessarily hit his returns, you know, north-south, a little bit too much um, horizontal running. I don't know. He's looking really good. He's going to bust one. No, I, I agree. Um, he's due, and... I mean, the, the, we know this defense is going to continue to to force three and outs and force punting, so he will get his shots. Well, guys, that about wraps us up on the Wake Forest game. Um, enough with special teams, and you know, again, final thoughts on this game. Either of you, Clemson's doing. Listen, it's not it's not going to be flashy at this point. This team's just going to come out, be dominant, do what it has to do, and work on the finer points of the game. Um, work on getting backups in and getting them some seasoning, getting them some reps. It's just how it's going to be. We're not going to go out and blow every team out 60 to nothing anymore. It's just we don't have to. Yeah, I, I love the national narratives. If you're a Clemson fan that likes to hate on the national media, and we know you do, then they, they tend to like pick a nit on you know a lot of different things. To so Clemson, they just, they're not sold on us yet. But it's for all the wrong reasons. They, they look at a score. They look at a box score like a, you know Wake Forest or Boston College. That's like, you know, if you want to call out Kelly Bryant not looking complete or not being able to go through a bunch of reads or call him a one-read quarterback. Or that's, being a Heisman candidate, anything like that. I mean, <laughs> right. Right. That's let, what they expect. Oh, they want to be, yeah. They, they want their title contenders let, to have that brand. Let those guys doubt this team. That's fine. This team has proven what they, they can do over the past couple of years. They don't need to prove it to anybody else. Like, you know, Paul Feinbaum, he could be down on this team saying Clemson's going to lose the game. Every other word that comes out of his mouth is wrong. So he's... He's the one. Yeah, he's the one that's always showing up. He's not sold on Clemson. Yeah, exactly. So fair enough. Don't be sold on Clemson. You know, guys weren't sold that Deshaun Watson was going to be a good NFL quarterback. What oh. they say now? <laughs> Colin Kaepernick was a really good quarterback in his first few starts. Let's, let's, not, let's don't jinx him. No, let's not compare the two either. Deshaun Watson, much better. Anyhow, but no, I, I just, I'll, only only thing is, uh, yeah, I just think that I've never seen anything like this from Clemson. I can't believe how they're they're milking it and they're doing and they're just doing it the way they want to do it, and that is completely fine. They're they're in it for the long game, and I'm and I'm on board with it. I don't care. It's I don't care if it's ugly. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how many Clemson spreads I'm going to be betting um, from here on out. <laughs> uh, we like to keep it close, apparently. So uh, you know, use He's, discretion on that. The gamblers out the there are pissed at Dabo. They're like, what is they, What are they doing? What yeah. are they doing? Well, take a look at it. The games at home against lesser opponents that were supposed to blow them out have been close. The games on the road against better teams in tough environments, we've gone and blown people out. And that just goes to show, like, when it, com- when it comes up to the bright lights and we're playing better competition, this coaching staff is going to take things. I mean, they always take things seriously, but they know when to play the starters longer. They know when, to, uh, when they need to put the, you know, the, the foot down on the gas. And they also know when to get the backups in. I think you do need to see improvement in certain aspects, though. You're always going to need to. Right. Otherwise, it you know it can get a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. But I mean, Alabama was supposed to be the best defense ever last year. I think they came out of that game knowing that there was things they needed to prove on, right? Agreed. 
I, I will say you hear a lot of narratives too about it's Alabama, Clemson, and then everybody else. I totally disagree with that. I, maybe Alabama is a peg above, above everyone, but I don't think there's a great deal of separation between us, Georgia, uh, Penn State, or Auburn. And, only that, ha- and the score indicates that. Too. We're only halfway through the season. There's a lot of football left to be played. Right. Speaking of that football, why don't we look ahead to matchups in week seven? Uh, Clemson, as we all know, plays on a Friday night. That sucks, but at least we didn't have to burn a home game on that ridiculous ACC gimmick uh, by putting us on a weeknight. So uh, I guess Friday night's weeknight, right? It's a work night. You know, I got to be at work that day. So um, we play against Syracuse, seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock for us here on the West Coast. Um, Other games of interest. It's going to be weird having a Saturday that's not a bye week not have a Clemson game to watch and prepare for. I'm probably going to get out for a hike or something like that. But what games are you guys looking ahead to? Georgia Tech Miami is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Miami is going to continue to get tested. Um, Again, we don't have – they've only played four games. They haven't played six games like everybody else. And I think in this game they're going to go up against a Georgia Tech team that plays a different style of football. Paul Johnson loves you know, what you normally to see. get this this type of a ranked team coming off an emotional win. Yeah, so this will be interesting. And also another good story, interesting storyline here is Georgia Tech against Mark Rick. Yeah, they got his number. You know, Mark Rick teams when they're when they have expectations don't always tend to follow through on those. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that game turns out because. Um, as these coastal teams start to play each other, it's really going to shake out who the best of the best is over in that side. And the picture is going to become clear um, about who's going to represent them in the ACC championship game. I think a game I'm going to look forward to, at least for the first quarter or so, is Auburn LSU. Um, LSU is coming off a, let's call it a medium road win against Florida um, after a very disappointing loss against Troy. Uh I don't necessarily think LSU figured anything out in that game offensively that gives me reason to believe that they are going to be able to move the ball on Auburn's defense. Uh, But can we see Auburn uh, go into a hostile road environment and continue what they've been up to? Auburn wins by three scores. Vegas has seven points. uh, Auburn favorite in, in the fake death Valley. Where, what side are you on Cody? Ben stated his, I I agree. They're going to cover. LSU is not good. Um, so there, there could be two firings. Like maybe the most interesting subplot to this week is who will get fired first in the SEC. Butch Jones. I don't think Ed Orgeron. Maybe he's. I don't think he mildly will. on this the hot is, seat. He's he's been a head coach less for half a year at this point. Okay, so and pretty big buyout. I don't think they're getting rid of him. Can our rival South Carolina get Butch Jones fired? Get him fired. Uh, if they beat Tennessee, he's he's gone. He's got to be gone. Well, for recruiting, that's actually a bad thing is what I hear. So I'm going to be rooting against our rival for the first time. No, Butch Jones at Tennessee is very good for our recruiting. So we need him there. We want to keep him there. Go, always, go Vols. I always root against South Carolina. You don't have to twist my arm on this one. <laughs> Any other interesting top 15 games? I think K-State could take down TCU and send the Big 12 into a tailspin. I don't see it. Uh, personally, but it is at K State, so you know it's a tough place to play. Bill Snyder, he knows a, how to win it's big games. Eleven a.m. game, local time in Manhattan. That's a weird time. Uh, yep, that's probably the sure best is. game all all day, and it's at eleven o'clock. Well, we same. thought this past weekend was going to be kind of crappy, but it turned out to be a pretty fun, entertaining weekend of college football. 
Yeah, let's see. I mean, I'm not really seeing many big upsets elsewhere. I mean, Georgia's going to steamroll Missouri. That would be their 30-point favorites. That's insane. Um, yeah, kind of a ho-hum schedule across the board, but plenty of opportunity with Clemson not playing to check out some of the other uh, playoff hopeful teams and definitely that Miami game. And we will be back with our Syracuse recap at some point this coming weekend. Thankfully, we've got a little bit of a buffer there uh, with no Saturday game to get our, our recording in over the weekend. So um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for spreading the word about the podcast. Appreciate the listens. Appreciate the engagement. Um, we like doing this for you guys, and uh, it's been really fun. We're halfway through the year. Just picking up steam at this point. So uh, really, really looking forward to what remains for this, this rest of this year. And let's really cherish these weeks. Um, you know, we only get so many of these in, in the course of the year. We spend all off season like looking ahead and kind of reminiscing on what's past. So I'm trying to enjoy the moment. So here's to another one and a week. And with that, go Tigers. And I'm so I'm so happy for our family. It's not it's not this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. Speaking of HJs, my favorite HJ over the weekend was Hunter Johnson's <laughs> touchdown. Our HJ was pretty slippery. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid HJ was going to blow it there at the end. <laughs> <laughs>